You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. I am having one heck of a week. I'll tell you, I went to the Weezer concert here in Huntsville where I moved from Los Angeles. For those of you who are following regularly, you know this about me. I left Los Angeles, a city of 4 million people in its um, city borders and then another like I think 12 million total or something ridiculous uh, throughout the county and it was one hell of a move to say the least one of the things I was bummed out about the most about leaving Los Angeles and then choosing not to move to Las Vegas was the music scene music is very important to me live music especially is very important to me it doesn't come around very often um, here in Huntsville. You've got to drive a little ways to Nashville or Birmingham to get more opportunities. And it's not like Los Angeles in that every single band will come and play Los Angeles and certainly now even Vegas. Although 10 years ago, Vegas was not the hotbed of musical knowledge and just growth that it's become. It helps that they built a hockey arena so arena bands can play there, and it definitely helps that they built a football stadium so now the stadium bands can also play there. But just in general now, you'll start to see a lot more music going to Las Vegas where people play residencies with Aerosmith and Taylor Swift and I think um, Katy Perry and, of course, I think Celine Dion was the first one to do it. I'm going off on a little tangent here, but let's so let's bring it back into Weezer. Absolutely fantastic. It was Sunday night. We went up there. Mama opened for Modest Mouse. Modest Mouse opened for Weezer. And it was just a mind-blowing, amazing event. And I want to talk about what you can be doing with your sobriety and recovery. Depending on, of course, where you are, there might be a shifting of comfortability that you might have and going back out and doing the things that you enjoyed doing while you used to be in active addiction. A lot of my friends who are teeter-tottering on being sober, and one of my friends who actually has been sober and in recovery for quite some time, um, he still isn't going to live music last we talked. And a lot of my friends who are thinking about, you know, they're sober curious and they're moving toward it, that's one of their big hang-ups is, how am I supposed to go to show sober? Now, we're at six and a half years for me on this sobriety train. I've probably been to 75, maybe 100 concerts in this amount of time. I go to a lot of shows. I've I've been to over 1,000 in my life, and I've easily seen over 2,000 bands. Um, Hell, nothing else, just go to every show that you buy a ticket for, and there's usually another band playing. So um, that alone tells me that I have seen over 2,000 bands, not to mention all the raves I used to attend. So I've gone to a lot of music in my 30-some years since I went to my first show whenever I was 17, which was Chardet at Deer Creek. And a few weeks later, my next concert was Aerosmith at Deer Creek. And that's what I did. Um, I went and saw Pearl Jam on March 24th, 1994. I'll never forget that because I got to meet Eddie Vedder. Um, but I digress the, the importance of music in my life. And I wonder what is important to you in your life and where perhaps might sobriety and recovery have inadvertently 
you allowed that to be taken away from you. I've talked a lot, a lot about how I willingly allowed addiction to take away my hobbies and my passions and many of the things I thought I was destined to do in my life, from being a sports reporter and eventually being the next Bob Costas to stepping foot in every country on the planet. Uh, Let alcohol take a lot away from me. So when I got sober, I made a very conscious decision not to allow alcohol to control my decision-making anymore. And this can be something that many of you are trepidatious about, where you're not really sure how comfortable you're feeling with your sobriety and recovery, and how many days do you have, or how many weeks, or how many months. And again, this is going to be a conversation about where you can eventually get yourself, or for those of you who've got many a month and many a chip and many a year under your belt, and maybe a place that you're already discussing getting back into, or maybe you're like me and you're already full on, bore for it, bore for it, I don't even know what that one is, go all bore, go all bore, I don't think we'll go with go all bore, although I feel like that's a saying that has something to do with wild boars, and wild boars do go all out, if you've ever seen one of them in the woods, they are not to be fucked with, I will just say that to you now. I have an experience. It's not needed to be discussed in this show. I was absolutely inebriated, and I will just say that you cannot outrun a wild boar, but you can you can get to higher ground. <laughs> so anyways, let's go all boar into this episode. I made a conscious decision not to let alcohol be something that I feared and for it to hold me back. And I got very quickly back into live music in Los Angeles because I wanted to be able to experience it. And I went to a small club band, and that was easy to do. It was at the Fonda. I believe it was... Oh, my goodness. She's. Oh, my goodness. How can I not remember her name? Anyways, now my brain's going to be thinking about that. I'll come back with it. She was from England. It was an awesome show. Uh, I'd always really enjoyed her. Um, she just one of the, just beautiful music. Anyways, my brain's not going to get to it, and I'm not sure I can possibly Google that right now because I can't remember any of her songs. Not important. <laughs> What's important? By the way, let me just reframe. This episode might just be a hodgepodge because it's more about how to ground ourselves and be present than it is anything, but I'm getting there through a very long route, apparently. I went to The Grateful Dead, a three-day run at... Wrigley Field with all my old SIGUP buddies who um, were more just brothers for life than they are fraternity brothers at this point. And I went there with them, and that was the first time they'd been around me since I had gotten sober, and it was right around month six or seven, I think, when this occurred. Because I announced to Facebook land on my birthday uh, in 2017 that I was sober, and that would have been my 41st birthday. And I went shortly thereafter to see Grateful Dead with all of them, And I know that they were slightly concerned that I wasn't going to enjoy myself or that I might actually go back and and use. And I did not, and I had no indication that I wanted to. It was not part of my decision-making process, right? Alcohol was just, it's there, but it's not in me. And it was a blast. And in fact, that's what fueled my buddy Gumby to eventually get down his own sobriety and recovery path. And I remember going to that show, walking out of there after that three-day run, hell, after the first night, saying, I can make it through Grateful Dead. I mean, I used to throw down at a Grateful Dead show. I can make it through any show. So fast forward to Weezer here in Huntsville, amazing experience. 
they hadn't played only in dreams up until recently um, since 2015, 2016, I believe this uh, I read. And Only in Dreams is my absolute favorite song of theirs. Absolute favorite song. It's the last song on the Blue album. And it's about, I want to say, maybe even like nine minutes long. And the last like two and a half to three minutes, they do this great breakdown thing. And then it just builds up, builds up, builds up. And then it just explodes. And I have to share this with you all. I just have to share it with you. Like, I started to go record it, and I just wanted to record like the first 10 or 20 seconds of this sort of breakdown moment, and my girlfriend grabs my phone, which was super sweet of her, because I was just going to put it away. I was No chance in hell I was going to record this part of the song. I wanted to lose my mind, and uh, I mean, I'm just shaking. I mean, right now, my microphone's probably shaking, because I'm shaking, and I'm just, and I mean, they do this drum thing where it just comes, and like you can just hear the guitar, and if you know this song the way that I know this song, then you you just you can feel it grow, 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 and it's like it's like a volcano. And when they finally just when they finally unleashed that last that last bar that that last ah, crescendo where it just explodes for the last two minutes. I mean, by that point, I rocketed out of my seat. Like I on purposely sat down just so I could have that rush to get to my feet. And I was never. I mean, every muscle in my body was just tense and exploding and it was like I remember just looking up at the stars and the sky and this big full moons over there and it's just bright as hell I mean I just locked it in and we talk about anchors on this show a lot and you set an anchor when you take an experience that you're having and you just heighten it and the music's going and you feel it and I'm getting shivers right now just replaying this story for you and like I'm looking at the stage and the, the colors and the, the lights and it's just I lock you lock in these amazing amazing experiences. Lock them in. Brighten up the lights. Feel into the music or feel into the sounds that are coming. Feel the feelings that you have. Is there a smell or a taste associated with it? Like envelop all of that and lock it in because it's unfortunate that we spend an inordinate amount of our time allowing our brains to spiral down the anxiety and the stress and the fear and the anger and the resentment path. And then we let these amazing experiences that we spend so much time and effort and money getting ourselves prepared for and getting ourselves to something. And then we're there and we're in it. And it's like we're not even present for it. And I was not going to let this show be one of those. And I've done it. I've zoned out during the Black Crows. Um, I've allowed stress and anxiety to take over during a 21 Pilots concert. Um, where was I? The Killers. Zoned out for a couple songs there. Just let, let like this anxiety spiral take over my brain. And that was not going to happen at this Weezer show. And the Only in Dreams, I think it was right around song 11. I mean, that explosion, me launching up out of my seat, like it was everything I wanted it to be. And I locked it in. Like I just locked it in. Like I had my arms up, like I just fucking won, you know, the world. And I just locked it in. And I just said, this is it. Like anchor this feeling, anchor this moment. And it was just, it was everything I wanted it to be and more. I mean, I sat down, my heart was pounding, pounding. It took me three songs for my heart to calm down. And I had made buddies with this dude sitting next to me. And he it was his he just turned 18. It was only his second concert ever. And meanwhile, I'm over here with a thousand under my belt. And, and he was just the best concert buddy. Just great talking to him. He loved Weezer, was enamored with the blue album. This dude's 18. He was born in 2005. Like 
I was graduating college a year later, so, and, and I was 30, so <laughs> it was just super cool. And the, he'd get excited about songs, and I'd just get excited with him because I know what it's like to go to music and just all of a sudden be like, wow, I have found a home around live music. And I locked that in. I anchored that moment. And I, I know it worked because the next morning I woke up and the song Only in Dreams was in my head. And I immediately opened up Spotify, flipped on Only in Dreams. And I sit there and I listen to the whole song. And as it gets into that breakdown moment, even now, I have this uncontrollable smile took over. And whenever it just, when, it, when the song explodes, and if you know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I threw my arms up right there in bed. I sat up out of bed. I was like, da 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 <laughs> it's such a trip. So I just had to share that with you. I know that back in the day, I used to share a lot of this stuff. It was like I used this show as a diary. And this is one of those moments where so many of the conversations that have been happening in the tribe, I've been getting a lot of emails and a lot of Instagram messages from people. And I think it's the summer sobriety and recovery. It, it seems like a lot of people are reaching out to me right now at that one week to two month mark. And what's coming up in a lot of the messages and, and what's coming up a lot in, in the tribe even is just being present in the moment, grounding ourselves into things that are masterful, that are wonderful, and really seeing the beauty beauty in the world that's around us. When we're sober and we can see things through these clear eyes and this clear heart, we have this opportunity to experience things at a level that alcohol and addiction just they just don't allow. Like I know, I think, I know, I feel, I, I know I want to say to myself that back in the day, whenever I was tripping balls at a dead or a fish show or, you know, blues travelers at a horde or at any one of the raves or leftover salmon I and mean, all these different bands i mean literally i, I recently did, pulled out this whole project trying to pull all these concerts out of my head and i got lost somewhere in the three four hundreds and i'm just like it's like i can't find any more of them in my brain and i know they're there and they'll come back eventually but what's more important is i went to a lot of these shows wildly inebriated and i don't really remember oh my goodness k-rock almost goes to christmas yeah yeah, I blacked out during, what's her name? The woman from Australia, not Horde. Um, anyways, there was a woman, she's from Australia. She sings dark music, but Solar Sun's one of her songs. Anyways, I blacked out during hers. I don't even know if I stayed, uh, I don't no idea. I woke up like four miles away from the arena. But anyways, uh, like the Portugal, the man, and Fits in the Tantrums, and RK Fire all played that night. I have no recollection of those bands. I literally blacked out during this one woman's set um, and no clue what happened after that. All I know is I came to like four miles away from the place and I had to walk all the way back to get to my car. Um, yeah, not a many of those stories. And so I know I'd like to think that I was present for these shows back then, but I know I wasn't. And I, I locked in this Weezer show. Like, I will never forget. I implanted it into my brain. And I want to discuss with you today, how are you grounding yourself and being present in the experiences that you have? Um, in the tribe, we have many people, I'd say all of them to some extent, have 
gone outside and, you know, one of them in particular has this amazing trail that she walks. She shows us all pictures of it during the seasons. It's really cool seeing this trail during autumn and then fall and then spring and then summer and seeing how it changes. And if I remember the story correctly, this is the trail she was walking on when she first discovered the From Sobriety to Recovery podcast. Pretty sure I'm spot on with that memory. And so we call it the FSTR the, the the FST FST trail because T and R make up trail so it's like the FS trail the from Surbury to recovery trail and so she posts pictures of it all the time and I've got up one on my digital frame because it's just absolutely gorgeous um, a married couple that's in the tribe goes and finds these amazing waterfalls where they live in South Carolina uh, another member recently went up to the um, upper part of Michigan I believe but definitely somewhere amazing because there's this huge lake Lake Michigan <laughs> I talk about things like you've never heard of them before and she she posted seriously sweet pictures. And so a lot of the people, they go on these walks and they go on these hikes. And this is a way for us to ground. And so I thought, well, recently got a message from somebody who was like day 14. And they were talking about just like their mind was starting to like race. I was like, okay, well, let's come up with a mantra so that you can get grounded and you can get present. And this led me to th- thinking back to the show and how grounded I was. Like at no point did my brain try to go off into stress anxiety land and think about work or think about the house and think about all the things that we're doing around the house to get it ready and none of that. I was fully there every single song, just totally just immersed in the experience. And for a lot of us, you'll go off and you'll Google ways that you can be more grounded. So you've already heard breathing exercises, mindful meditation, grounding techniques, physical activity, healthy diet, adequate sleep, self-care rituals, professional help. Like these, these we've heard of before. Um, the one I would like to step off and say something about real fast is a grounding technique called 54321, where you look for five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And I used to communicate pretty regularly with one of the listeners to the show years ago when it first started, who himself had a porn addiction. And one of the ways we discussed with him to help lock into what was happening around him and be able to release this desire for pornography was to look around the room uh, for, you know, we use VACOG, which is an NLP term for visual, auditory, kinesthetic, olfactory, and gustatory. And those are your five five senses. As I was, you know, so look around and, you know, what are five things that you can see and and so this is before I even knew about this five, four, three, two, one. I was like, just use your five senses to really ground yourself in the moment. And now I know this five, four, three, two, one grounding technique is, is quite popular. I'm pretty sure a majority of you all have heard something to this extent of five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things that you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And if you happen to be in a kitchen, you can smell five things, then go with that. Like, it doesn't have to be see, touch, hear, smell, taste. Just however you want to do it. Hell, you could just look around your room and just start looking for things that are circular. It's anything that just snaps your brain out of the loop. We get ourselves in these loops, and they grab a hold of us, and it's like, you ever been to the mall back in the day? Malls still exist. They're just not very popular anymore. But in the era of uh, Stranger Things, malls were humongously popular. And there would be these ways for you to donate money 
at the mall. And one of them in particular that somebody came up with that surely must have made whoever this donation box was giving the money to must have made them millions because you could drop a coin into like this big plastic funnel. And it was huge. Like it was probably like four feet across in this circle, like diameter wise. And the coin would go down into it and then it would spin around. It would go around and around and around and around and around and it'd go faster and faster and faster. And I'm even making the, the motion with my finger right now until it got into the bottom of the funnel. And then it goes, and then the, the coin would just drop into the container. And that's your brain spiraling on shit. It's like it gets dropped in there and it just starts going around and around and around and around and around. and around. But what if it doesn't pop? You've got to be the one who pops it. Whereas this coin, it's just going to come to the end of the funnel. If you don't actively say, okay, I got to pull myself out of this. And I do this. I actively will be like, okay, dude, you want to go down this spiral a little bit longer. I'll give you five more minutes. And then at the end, we're going to come up with three things positive that came out of what you just experienced. Like I have to turn it into something tangible for me because I do allow my daydreams to just take me down. And it's, it's a part of me I like. I just love my vivid imagination. Other times I'm like, oh, for the love of everything, holy and sacred, could you just please stop and focus on what you're doing right now? So let's discuss some of the ways I actually get myself back into being present and being grounded. Now, I ran through a list just now with the physical activity and the healthy food and the sleep and the self-care rituals and mindful meditations, breathing exercises. We've, we've heard those before. And in a way, that's what I'm sort of going to discuss, but in my own Jesse way. So my first one on how I ground myself and how I'm present. Um, remember back in the day when I told you guys about my saying, life's humbling, I am present now. Um, it's a very specifically built sentence. Life's humbling. Not life is or life was, but it's, it's life's humbling. So it's very specific because it's in action. It's happening now. Life's humbling. Like life is humbling me now. Um, but I don't, I contract that is. So instead of it being life is humbling, it's life's humbling. And I do that specifically because I don't contract the next part. I am present now. Rather than I'm, I want that I am in there because that's what your identity statements are built out of. You'll say, you know, uh, I am lazy or I am this. Like you, you might say I'm lazy or I'm a goof or I'm a dope. But when you really want to accentuate that identity statement to yourself or somebody else, generally it's accentuating the am. I am. So I want to make sure I have the I am in this mantra. Life's humbling. I am present now. And it's not I'll be more present. It's I'm going to be. It's very specific. I am present now. I am. Like this is happening right now. And I will literally repeat this over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. In fact, I will turn on trance music and dance to Life's Humbling, I Am Present Now. Um, if only I had a camera that you guys could somehow see I would that I didn't know was there. That you could, so you could see my dancing. <laughs> I think I had... I think I had a lot more together when I was raving, but I still, I, I have this thing about dancing. I will never make fun of the way somebody dances. It's a form of self-expression, and by goodness gracious, dance. I don't care how you dance, freaking dance. I watched this show on Netflix called Wednesday, and there's a scene where she's at this Raven's Ball, and she goes to dance, and it's hilarious, and it's 
a little bit not like I would have thought Wednesday Adams would dance, but it was also just oddball enough that you're like, yep, this is how Wednesday Adams would dance. But what I thought was really cool was that she just danced. And other people, you'll see where they do that sort of back and forth on one foot and they'll move their body a little bit, but you know there's more in them. They're more worried about what people are going to say about their dancing. And I have a very distinct memory of being at an after party at our house off Tarragona back in Orlando. And it was a long night, and we were just going down some very dark holes. And I remember these people watching me dance um, on my couch. And for some reason, it just got even darker. And I was just like, oh, my God, they're watching me. I can't dance. What if they're judging me? And I'm like, we're, it's like six in the morning. We put aluminum foil over the window so that we wouldn't know that it was light outside. And I'm worried about some people I don't even know sitting on my couch, staring at me as I dance. They're probably tripping out on the whole thing. And I'll never forget that. And I told myself when I came down after all that, never stop dancing again, no matter who's watching. So I just want you to also take on that. Never stop dancing, no matter who's watching. So life's humbling. I am present now. That is my mantra. What are some other mantras that you could have? In the tribe recently, I came across this like word jumble where it's a bunch of letters and there it's this line after line after line of all the different letters. But in there, hidden in there was words like connection and love and heal and health and family and gratitude. So I posted it into the tribe and it was like, you know, what words do you see here? Turn them into a mantra, you know, and then what about each day you could look at that or each day you could go off and find other things that are like this. Um, so that you could find other words, and that, that could become your daily mantra. But have a mantra. It's you know, for me, it can just be be present now. Um, I am healing. Um, you are good. You are fine. You know, like I'll, I'll come up with uh, what's my one for this year. It's um, intentional awareness creates stability. So have a mantra. Have something that you can just repeat to yourself. You know, music is life. Feel the beat. Feel the beat. Feel the beat. Feel the beat. Feel the beat, feel the beat, feel the beat. I'll do that one as I'm walking, and I'll just put on some great music, and I'll just dance down the street. Don't even care. I will never stop dancing because somebody's watching. Number two, I ground myself. Now, how do you ground yourself? My favorite way is I get into my body. It can be exercising, it can be hiking, it can be walking. But generally, if my mind is trying to take over, then that means that the body isn't participating as much. Whenever I'm lifting weights, there's no time for my, I almost said there's no chance. There is the chance for the mind to wander, but there really isn't the time because the body and the mind need to get on the same page. Hey, you're holding 75-pound dumbbells in each hand. How about you pay attention to what the hell's going on, dude? So what can you do in order to get yourself into your body? It could be exercising, hiking, walking. It could be a row machine. It could be riding a bicycle, whatever it is. If your mind is racing, then that means that your body is just pacing. Let's get the body up. Let's get the body doing something. If mind's going nuts, drop and do 10 push-ups. If 10's easy, do 20. 50 pu- jumping jacks. I know, I know. I talk a lot about how much physical activity has played a humongous role in my sobriety and recovery and it always will and I believe it's because it gets me out of my mind and it gets me focused on the now 
is whenever the body is breathing heavy, when it's sweating. Like, I swear, I got a weed eater recently. And I've got to tell you, I have never owned a weed eater. When I was a kid, my dad had this gas-powered one. He had to mix oil in with it and shit. I never fucking figure that out. And I was his lawn boy anyways. It was like, I got to, he, for the longest time, would never let me ride the riding lawnmower. And so I would just like take the thing out on like a Tuesday afternoon when he was at work and just start mowing the lawn, even though it didn't need to, just because this jerk would never let me, I call it a mow cart now, but he never let me ride the lawn mower back in the day. I had to do the stupid push mower. And sometimes it, the little walk behind would work, but most of the time it wouldn't. And I had to like mow <laughs> with this damn push mower, like a whole acre, trees and there were spiders and ticks everywhere. And so I never really thought lawn work was that much fun. But now here I am in my 40s. That's the first time I've ever owned a house. I get a hold of a weed ear because there's things that we need to be weed eated. I've always, okay, this is going to be ridiculous. I really have to tell you, when I say always, literally, this is a great use of a universal quantifier like the word always. So when I see people mow their lawns, but they don't weed eat the curb that where the grass stops and like, you know how it can grow over? So you mow the lawn and the lawn looks super dope, but then that curb in front of your house or it could be your apartment, whatever it is, like lawn people who get paid to do this for a living, they trim around where the grass stops and the curb is. And so I've always just wanted to own a house where my trim job around where the grass stopped and the curb started was super, super dope. (laughs) I know, I know. I, I just, this is looking glass into my brain. So I went out and got this uh, battery powered weed eater. So I would have no gas, no pulling of a thing. Just literally slide the battery in, pull the trigger. And this damn thing is ready to rock and roll. You whack the thing on the ground and the wire comes out more. And I'm telling you what, you can shred through some shit. This thing is the funnest thing. I'm telling you, I wish my grass grew faster <laughs> because so... <laughs> Because I now it took me three different times to trim the edge of the curb to where the grass, you know, you just, you know, I can just finally say where the grass and the curb, where they meet. It took me three times because nobody had done it in so long. There was mud and there was dirt. And so I just, I needed some of the wet mud to dry so that it would be even easier for the weed eater to do its job. So it took three different runs, run throughs over the course of about two weeks to finally get it, I mean, where I wanted it. It's freaking baller and so this last time it was super easy like I got it I mean literally all around my house there's no weeds all around my curb action on the sidewalk on the path there is not a (laughs) there's not a place where grass meets concrete where it is not looking super professional there should be a show called people who kick ass with weed eaters and I definitely think I should be on this show (laughs) so so I love this weed eating so much that the next door neighbor had asked if she could borrow the weed eater because she would like to be able to do, to trim her curb, her curb lawn uh, meeting. And her side. I wish there was a term for this. I could just say it easier. But anyways, so where they meet, she would say, could I borrow the weed eater? I was like, absolutely, you could borrow the weed eater. But uh, I didn't see her this particular day. I was weed eating, so <laughs> I just weed eated her entire driveway. Except where the cars were, so I stopped because I wasn't, you know, I'm not going to mess up somebody's car and get grass all over it. But I absolutely weeded it all around <laughs> her property line, anywhere I could weed eat, or I didn't feel like I was imposing without asking. And she's talking to my girlfriend uh, like the next morning, and she's like, 
did did your boyfriend did he weedy our lawn? And she's like, and she looks around. She goes, but did you not? She goes, no, my husband noticed it. She's like, well, then it was probably him because he loves that damn thing. <laughs> and she's like, that was so nice. Tell him thank you. And I'm like, thank you. Shit, let me into your backyard. <laughs> Don't thank me. I want to thank you. Would you pull your cars out of the driveway so I could finish what I started? And I'm telling you all of this because when I am weeding and I'm mowing the lawn and I'm out there trimming the hedges and I'm doing all this lawn work, there's no time to be all stressed out about bills and shit. Like, I'm just so into it. One of the gates in the backyard wouldn't open right, so I had to get the shovel out and dig up these, like, super deep weeds that the previous owner had just let grow. And so this gate wouldn't open. And when I finally almost got it open, I realized, oh, I need to just get rid of all of this. There was just enough grass that the gate door wouldn't open. So I just grab, of course, I grab my weed eater to do this, and I just go straight to the root, and I just eat away all of this grass down to the dirt, and sure enough, now the gate opens for perfectly awesome, and I'm so proud of myself. I brought, I brought my girlfriend and her son. I was like, come look, come look at what I did. I was so proud of myself. Um, I swear, if, if, I, if only the world's problems could be taken care of with a weed eater. So ground yourself by getting into your body. Find something that you can do physically that makes you as giddy as that weed-eating story that I told you just now makes me feel. I mean, exercising, hiking, walking. I mean, these are the easy things, right? These are the things that we know about. So do them. Find your own FS trail. Find your own waterfalls in the mountains. And if you live in a city, then, you know, go somewhere you can get into your body. In Los Angeles, it was not easy to get to these places, but there was Runyon, or there was the Griffith Observatory. There was the Hollywood Sign Hike. There was the one with the Wisdom Tree. Like, there's some of these hikes that I'll never forget um, because of just how amazing it was that right smack dab in the middle of the city, here was this amazing opportunity to, you know, walk straight up. Uh, they call them mountains, but I would call them hills. Um, like where the Hollywood sign is, that's not a mountain, that's a hill. But anyways, you, you get to walk straight up there and you get to stand, you know, right behind the Hollywood sign. Um, Beachwood, that was the Beachwood Canyon hike. So anyways, go do something amazing. Um, and if you can, get a weed eater. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm telling you what, <laughs> take that thing and turn it up, to, uh, turn it on its side or, or directly vertical. It depends on, I guess, the terrain. And you just start trimming where that grass meets the curb. I'm telling you what, when you get that clean edge, you really feel like you've accomplished something in life. <laughs> Number three on my list is breathing. It's something we do all the time, so we don't realize how powerful it is. There's a lot of different cadences for your breathing. I know some people that like to do the three, 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 or the four, five, four, and I know some people who go. <laughs> I think that's the um, Wim Hof method um, that I used to practice a lot. Uh, Wim Hof method's really good if you want to be able to get yourself really conditioned to being able to take cold showers. Wim Hof invented his own style of breathing, and I'm pretty sure he hiked up mountains in like nothing but gym shorts and shoes. Even like ones where like there was snow on the ground with this breathing technique. So breathing is something that we just take for granted because we do it all the time. But when you actually get conscious, which is why meditation 
works. Okay, this is my opinion. This isn't fact. This is why I think meditation works so well because it makes us slow ourselves down and focus on our breathing, and it actually does a pretty okay job at slowing my brain down. Not a great job. I still daydream a lot, but I don't care up to the point now where I'm just like, you know what? I'm I'm here. I'm doing it. If I can shut this mind off for just a minute during this 20 minutes at Dharma, then I consider it a win. Breathing is something that we just take for granted. It's so habituated. Stop and just pay attention. You could breathe, you know, breathe in four times, hold for three seconds, breathe out seven times. It doesn't really matter. It just finds something that snaps you out of your usual breathing rhythm, and that will help you get more grounded and present. I'm also a big fan of tapping. I've got a certification in tapping. It's something that I help my clients do. Um, it's something that I learned simply for me, but there's p- certain spots on your body that you can tap that will actually help calm you down. I know on the wrist and in the uh, the bendy part of your elbow, whatever that little is, I mean, there's stuff right around um, underneath where the glands are. Um, but I have this whole process I can do, and you can tap your, your temples, and you can tap on your where your third eye would be right in between your head, and you can tap on the top of your head. and um, there's Lots of different ways. You can go on YouTube and look for tapping examples. Those are really good, too. So uh, I know everything you Google will always say breathing, but I did have to give it its, a moment in the spotlight because it is something that we do so frequently, like, you know, every second of our lives that we take for granted that if we're actually conscious and control it in different ways and, and inhale, exhale, and hold in a certain cadence, it can actually accomplish very many different um, amazing, amazing benefits of it. Music. I cannot stress enough about music. If you're a music person, then you know. Um, if you're not, then there's a good chance that there's some kind of music that at least it shifts you. Mood, m- to me, music exists to shift moods. It, 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 can, it can enhance a mood. It can lessen a mood. What mood do you want to be in? Pick the music that suits the mood you desire. When I want to write, I'm going to go listen to Karen O. She's got this one album, um, Proxima, no... Um, I wrote my entire College Success Habits book to it. It was that amazing. And I'm pretty sure I accidentally found it, like not uh, Lux Prima. In fact, I went. To, I didn't even type in Karen O. I literally was trying to think of the name of the album and went to go type in Spotify Lux Prima. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's the name of it. So I love to write to Lux Prima by Karen O. Um, I'm making up whole set lists based off of, like, I call it, like, acid jazz, but it could be called down-tempo trance. It could be called chill trance. It, it's really what it reminds me of is the music the SLS in Beverly Hills used to play in the lobby when I worked there for those three years in L.A. Um, so I go off and I find bands that sort of have that sound. It's like a, a more Chiba kind of music to it. Um, Wolfgang, Poolside, um, Daniel T, um, some of these songs, Demeter, I mean, Caribou. It's just like you've never even heard of some of these people. And I didn't even know who these, Groove Armada, love me some Groove Armada, um, Thievery Corporation. Like I've got a whole set list of just that kind of music. And Spotify is great because you could take a band that you like and then you can just go past their albums and you can see it, it, like, it would be like a Groove Armada radio. So it'll be mixtures of Groove Armada's music in with all these other bands who have a similar sound based on however Spotify's algorithm determines that. And I have just discovered, I mean, amazing songs. I got one called Pool, Beach, Lakeside. Um, 87 songs, six hours already. Um, 
that I got state of trance ones that I've made up from the years. Like I've got my ASOT 2022 has got 345 songs. It's 21 hours. Cause I, I listen to every single ASOT and I pull out my favorites hotel quartet or hotel Costas is another really great album. If you're into that kind, but it's like whatever music you're into, be into your kind of music. You know, I love me some trance and jam bands and seventies rock and nineties alternative. I mean, that's just, that's just where I'm, you know, that's what I was raised on. That stuff matters to me. So what music f- fits your mood? What are you doing? And I remember a long, long time ago, whenever um, I could hear that music play the day the music died. Um, Bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Sorry. Um, I remember a couple people listened to me at the very beginning when I first launched the show, and they said, do an episode about music. And I think I I never actually did an entire one because I could never figure out how to make a whole episode about music. But music's important to me. I love, 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 love music. I anchor so many amazing memories in my life to music. Um, You know, don't get to go to live music, you know, every single week, even when I lived in L.A., except in 2013 when I went to over 100 concerts in that year. Um, I don't get to, like, go to concerts all the time, but when I do, I make sure they I'm there and I'm present and I'm loving it. In 2013, there was four or five different times where I would go to five different concerts in one week. That was exhausting. That whole thing started because Coachella live-streamed their first weekend on YouTube, and I didn't know that that was happening. So I watched all of these bands, and because they were all the bands were coming back the next weekend to do it again, I started Googling where these bands were touring. And it turns out a lot of them just stayed in the area and came to LA and did like one-off concerts just to keep themselves entertained for the week in between the Coachella shows. So I went to a concert, like Coachella ended on Sunday night. I went to a concert every single night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, before all the bands went back. In fact, I think there was even one on Friday. I think that was my first five-day run. Um, because they didn't, that band didn't play until um, Sunday, and uh, I've got all this stuff written down somewhere, and I recently went through it, but not the point. The point is, is I was like, wow, this is awesome, and the year before, I had done a 12,000-mile motorcycle trip, uh, spreading my mom's ashes all around the country, and I thought, well, what can I do in 2013 to make this summer memorable? It will never be as memorable as the motorcycle trip. But what could I do that would make this a monumental summer? And I was like, let's go to as many concerts as I possibly can, and then that turned into, can I get to 100 concerts in a year? And I remember breaking in, breaking past the 100 mark at the beginning of December. Um, and it was tough. It was tough. <laughs> it was tough. And I think it cost me like $10,000. But um, it was worth it, at least in 2013. I definitely was like, this is amazing. So music, music. And then entertainment's number five on my list. I love me some YouTube. I go on there and watch silly shows like uh, um, Geography by Jeff, What If Alt-Hist, Windover Industries, um, what's another one, Inf- the Infographics Show. I watch tons of things about history. History Scope is great. This guy's got some awesome, I love the way his voice sounds. What If Alt-Hist, I love the way that that guy's voice sounds. Um, there's there's these ones that are written, um, it's uh, Oversimplified is the name of the channel. And it's just this guy... <laughs> It's the most ridiculous cartoon characters doing these, going through these 
historical moments, wars, and all this stuff, and it is super oversimplified, but it is, it's just so entertaining, and I'm really into history and geography and, and just that kind of learning type stuff. Uh, Wendover Industries will break down the logistics of every single thing you could possibly want to know about. He'll tell you about how a band breaks down a stage and moves it to the next event just as much as it'll tell you how the airline industry runs or how the food chain operates. The guy, I just love that show. So, um, my entertainment, I love, you know, finishing up my night, watching a little bit of YouTube on, you know, the, why the South Sudan is an up and coming country (laughs) or why Uruguay, you know, is trying to, you know, turn, be, I think Uruguay is Uruguay. It's not Paraguay. Some other guys. I'm pretty sure it's Uruguay. Recently found oil, and they're trying not to have the same curse that other third world countries have when they find oil, similar to what Venezuela did. And so I, then I go down this rabbit hole of like South American countries and like how do how do they have a GDP? What do they produce? What is it that they do in order to keep their country going? <laughs> What's their socioeconomic status? And what kind of politics have run their country since the dawn of time? Turns out, Western Europe just sailed boats around the world fucking shit up for like 200 years. It's like, hey, South America, never seen that place before. Let's go over there and fuck it up. North America, definitely going to fuck it up. Africa, totally going to fuck that place up. What's up, Southeast Asia? Come to fuck you up, too. It's like... So many different regions of this planet um, have colonization in their backgrounds, and I really can't help but wonder how different these countries' historical references and, and what they are doing now, how different that would be if Western Europe had never shown up and started fucking with them. Uh, it just it boggles my mind. Um, did, I mean, did you realize like Africa was still colonized going into World War II? Same with Asia. In fact, the only reason Western Europe lost those colonies was because after World War II, those countries were so mangled because of the war against Germany and Italy and um, um, uh, the axis of evil, Japan. They were just so messed up. They didn't have the money to keep those places under control. So they all just eventually broke off or were granted their their quote-unquote freedom. Maybe it was basically freedom. I mean, they were colonies. So anyways, I mean, like, that wasn't that long ago. We're just in 2023. World War II ended in 1945. A lot of these places started gaining their freedom in, like right around that 1950, 1960s time. So you think about that. That's only 74 years ago that a lot of these countries have not been under some colonial rule. It just boggles the mind because... Basically, nobody was messing with that part of the world for nobody knew about South America, North America, South Africa. I mean, North Africa, but that'd been war torn, you know, since 1400, you know, BC. Um, There's so much about the planet that's really just, it was like, wow, look what we're going to fuck up. (laughs) And I just like to watch shows and just marvel at what these countries are doing now to really set themselves up for their future now that they've had a substantial amount of time to get it together. And I root for them all because it, it bums me out whenever countries aren't doing well because of historical um, actions that have happened to them that they weren't even in control of. So anyways, that's a whole wacko-doodle tangent, and I apologize for that one, but I'm not going to cut it out of the show. I just am obsessed with reading over and watching all of these things on YouTube. Um, and it's how it's how I decompress podcasts. I still love many a podcast. 
Uh, Sober Power is one of my favorite ones. She talks about the science of addiction. Love the Life Coaching School with Brooke Castillo. Those are pretty much the only two that I listen to regularly. Um, so if you want somebody who talks about the science of addiction, um, she does a really great job. She's super kinesthetic, talks way slower than me, keeps her episodes to about 20, 25 minutes. Um, she doesn't go off on random tangents like me. <laughs> so if you want something that's a little bit more bite-sized once in a while, might I recommend, might I recommend Sober Powered? Um, really dig on her show. One day I'll reach out to her and see if we can do a pod swap because I, I just really love her vibe. And then, of course, the live coaching school. So those are some of the things I do to ground myself and be present. Um, this was going to supposed to be a 25-minute episode. This is one of those. I, it's just, you know, I feel like we've done some really heavy lifting over the last handful of episodes. I mean, you just go back and look at some of the stuff that we've been able to cover together, you know, going back. Um, you know, the self-confidence, the growth versus fixed mindset, the, the, the two-part forgiveness one I did at 210, 211. We had Aubrey on. We did self-talk. We did automatic negative thoughts. We did ego and unconscious back in 2004 or 204. Um, I love sobriety so much to be angry was 203. Linda Shively back at 201. 200 was about my mom. Like we've these this last 10, 15 of these episodes have been pretty heavy lifting. So I thought it was time to have a goofball episode. Thank you for listening. I absolutely love live music. I love this show. One of my favorite ways of unwinding is just getting on here. And I have found that over the last month or two, whenever I've gotten super tired, it wasn't that I didn't have the energy to do this show. It's that I started putting a ton of pressure on myself to make sure each and every episode was like going to be like, ah, ah, and you know what? Some episodes are going to be home runs, and some of them are just going to be bloopers into left field, and some of them are going to be ground outs. Um, you don't get up to 214 and have them all be grand slams. And I don't know where this is going to fall on that metaphorical baseball analogy chart, but uh, certainly wanted to share with you my Weezer show, wanted to go down a rabbit hole a little bit about music and how I ground and present myself. And, you know, um, I'm going to get back into social media soon. I swear I am. And maybe one of the cool things I'll do is um, start going back onto my Instagram account. And I would love to, you know what, I will post a post with this episode, uh, like the cover art of this episode for, off of Spotify. And uh, I would love, love, love for y'all to go over to Instagram. Maybe I'll even do a TikTok about it too, about music. I would just love to hear, like, what is some music you love? Or what's a YouTube channel? I would love to know what kind of YouTube channels you guys watch. What is some YouTube channels? Maybe you watch some cool brain stuff. Maybe you're watching some cool history things I've never even heard of before. Um, like I started getting into jump rope before I messed up my foot and gave myself plantar fasciitis, and I was watching Lauren jumps. Love watching Lauren jumps. This woman, just what she was able to treat, teach herself to do during COVID was nothing short of remarkable, and she's turned it into a whole business, and I just think it's super awesome watching her just enjoy the hell out of a jump rope. Um, these are people who just, you know, really find something that they just are passionate about and they turn it into their purpose and they help other people get excited about it too. And if I could say there was any tagline about this show, it's that I'm just super, super happy to be sober and in addiction recovery. And I want everybody to be super happy and enjoy it as much as I do. And even when I have shitty days, I know that it's not sobriety's fault that it's a shitty day. It's just a day that just went a little sideways. And you know what? I can flip it in an instant and put on a better song, or I can wake up the next morning and choose a different path. Whatever you do to ground yourself and be present, just realize there are ebbs and flows each and every day. And 
there are little things that will bring a smile to your face all around you if you will just stop and notice them. All right, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow every day is the best day of our lives because and when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine. Glow on. See you next week. Bye-bye.